0: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
1: Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Long time no talk. First show yeah, back. Dude, no kid. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving break? Uh, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was, it was pleasant. It was pleasant.
2: Good. Got some good Thanksgiving uh, food. And, you know, listen, I'm not generally like a huge turkey guy, but it was pretty good this year. It was pretty good. Mm. It
1: was pretty good. Pretty good. Not very good. It was delicious. Okay. Very delicious. Well, I'm thankful for a lot of things. One thing I am not thankful for. What's that? Special teams. Not I, I would like to teams. propose eliminating special teams from football. Listen. Every level. Remember, we had this discussion. Remember remember like three or you four. We just years said ago, to eliminate the NFL, kickoffs. I don't they think they wanted that's to going eliminate kickoffs. I think we eliminate all special teams. Okay, how
2: about this? You could take the average of like NFL punters. So let's say it's like what, forty five yards per average punt, and on fourth down, you just say you go to the referee and you say, We're punting. And they just take it forty five yards and that's where the ball spots. Yes. All so you don't it. have to punt. Yes. You, you don't have to punt. They just, you just, you just, as the coach, you say, hey, we're punting the ball. Move it to the
1: 45, move it 45 yards, whatever. Yes. And they just move it. Yep. And then no kickoffs. No kickoffs. Uh, No field goals. Everything's just a two-point conversion for a PAT, or you're going for it on fourth down. Okay. No, okay. Or what if you just made the PAT just automatic seven points? Sure, that works too. Touchdowns is worth 7. If you want the 2-point conversion, you have to go for it. No, okay, but if, so you, if you do that the then eight. it's
2: but if you go for a 2-point conversion then it's only 6. So then you can only get 8. Yeah. Or is that too complicated?
1: No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. If you just the, so, the PhD so is you automatic get seven, essentially is Yeah. What you're saying. So you get yeah. 7 or you get 6 with the opportunity to go for 2. Cool. We solved it. And then you have no more muck punts, you have no blocked field goals, you have no blocked punts, you have No no, no holding calls on allowed. kickoffs. Yeah, no, holding, no holding
2: calls on kickoffs.
1: What what is uh I don't mean, the Chiefs. Points. The Chiefs, if if there's no special teams, are ten and one right now, right? Because of the Colts game. Because the Colts. Okay. I think they probably still lose to the Bills. I don't remember special teams having a big <laughs> negative impact in that one. Um, what is KU's record if there's no special teams anymore? Do they beat K State? Eight and four. I'm trying to think. Like, what games can you log? I mean, they probably still lose to Oklahoma, um, Baylor. I don't remember that having like a big deal. Uh. Would well, they have beaten TCU? K State's definitely more competitive. They, I mean, I mean they I missed the recall. field goal, right? They missed the yeah. close field goal. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't remember anything else happening because you lost by seven. Can you make up the points? But Derek, punters are people too. You're just gonna eliminate punters. Well, that is part kickers. of it like, because KU is not good at punting the ball deep, so that's not something that we like think of in terms of, like. Oh, if you had a if you had a thirty five yard punt, we never think back to, um, that being like the deciding a bad factor. thing that happened against you, right? It's yeah. just like a forgettable thing that in the moment you're like, well, that wasn't good, but in the moment, so yeah, I guess if we eliminate special teams, like that's making up a yard difference for K yard differences, I guess would be the way to to put it. So yeah, I I think we just eliminate special teams. I'm good with that. Do you think if Wow, honestly, if we if we got rid of the uh, just the special teams mistakes in the game for, for Kansas against Kansas State, which yeah um which yeah, by the way, so Reese Vernon is averaging thirty nine point nine yards per punt. Like first is okay, forty seven, no. second's 45, third is 44.5, yeah, fourth so, is forty four point four. So forty two. There's a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Um nonetheless, if you get rid of the special team's mistakes, it's obviously a much more competitive game. Well, I mean, you, could you make the game? sponsors could have won? You spotted them seven points out of the gate. Like and really, that you the spotted them seven points was you said here. here special teams. You said you said, "Hey, K State, here's seven points
2: I forget for free." There you for, go.
1: I forget. I think Kansas State got a field goal on the drive that Malik Knowles had the the long kickoff return, or was it a punt? I don't even remember. Um, might they just have all run together with all the the bad special teams gaffes. <laughs> so at the very least, that's like a twelve point swing on its own from just special teams, and it might be more. So. At the very least, it is a more, much more competitive game, and I think that's oh, yeah, what no goes question. into it. Yeah. When you look at this one, the score doesn't say that it was like an ultra competitive game. It's forty-seven but to twenty-seven. It was competitive. It, yeah, it was. It was a game that you, outside of it being seven to seven, and then you know, uh, I guess nine to seven and sixteen. I don't. Again, Listen, I'm, I'm completely. Besides, completely besides
2: honest. Deuce Vaughn, K State was not physically or athletically better than yeah.
1: Kansas. But, like, it it was never really a one-score game for a majority of the game, but it always felt like it was close enough, and it it was because you just made those mistakes. But you're right. Everything from an athletic standpoint, from a line of scrimmage, from just how the game was played outside of just self-inflicted mistakes, it felt like those are two similar teams. I I
2: had a a friend text me during the game and said that he would have preferred that K-State was just absolutely dominating Instead instead of the idea of, like, KU's just out of reach, but they're just out of reach because of all of the things that they did to themselves.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about that because I think that's actually a really interesting st- talking point. That, um, because well, I mean, I've, hand- I've said it all the time
2: from a fan perspective. Like,
1: I, I from a fan perspective, I'd rather my team just get absolutely annihilated. You said well, that you way I think- can turn the game off at halftime. But I think I think from a watchability standpoint, from a frustration level, that's a hundred percent right. I think from a frustration level, it's obviously more frustrating if you feel like you're just as good and you're giving away the game. But I think from a long-term perspective about where this program is, no, yeah, that's actually yes. a positive. Yes, it would because been, that yes. just means that in the future, if you fix your mistakes, it would have no reason you can't
2: beat them. It would have been significantly worse, and we would have had a significantly more dreary out like outlook on the situation if K-State had gone out there and just blown their doors off. Yeah. Right? Like, significantly
1: worse. So, it... it like, because now you go into small. next year saying, hey, this game is going to be in Lawrence. I don't know all the players K-State's going to lose. I think Adrian Martinez, I'd imagine Deuce Vaughn uh, goes pro. Uh, the NUDK, Uzoma kid, probably gone. They they always have good developmental players, so they'll probably still be good next year. But they lose a lot of players. KU is in a position where, and, and we never know who's coming back with the transfer portal going yeah. pro and whatnot. Oh, next year it's going to be the opposite. KU, KU is- could be really good next year, and and they get the game at home. Like yeah. I, I think you look at that game and you say, why can't we beat them in Lawrence next year? Next year
2: it's going to be... KU beating K State at home to lock up their trip to the Big 12 title game.
1: Well, that's—I mean—that's part of it too. You—you you basically, <laughs> if we're saying they went toe to toe with this team, just made self-inflicted mistakes. That's a team playing for the Big 12 title, and they're only yes. two and a half. And they were—they were, not, they were not better. They were not better than KU. That—that—that that, that, I think from the like from the
2: frustration discussion, that's what I mean. It's like yeah. that was not a better, a significantly better team. Yeah,
1: and so that than what then what KU has shown they can be. That's kind of like the weird dichotomy with this team because you could have said that about the Texas Tech game. Yes. You, I don't know if you could say it about Baylor, but like. You came back. There are multiple games you could have said that about this season. Hold on. Yeah. In 12 games, you were only truly,
2: truly outclassed in what? One game?
1: Texas game for sure, right.
2: Oklahoma and Texas, maybe. Yeah. Oklahoma, maybe. And even Oklahoma. But Oklahoma, you only, you only lost by 10. You put up yeah. 42. And if
1: Jalen Daniels plays against Oklahoma, so you in could 12 make the games, case they win 65-60. to 60. In
2: 12 games, if you're Kansas, you were only truly outclassed physically, athletically, every, in every sense of the term, outclassed one time. Mm-hmm. Whereas over the last 12 years in a 12-game season, that happens, what, at least nine times, maybe 10 times per year. And this year, it's happened once, where yeah. you can look and say that team was just physically and athletically just significantly better than us, and they just beat
1: they just they just beat us into oblivion, which again is a tough pill to swallow because on one hand, it's way better than it's been in the past, and you are competitive now, and all that's great, but it's like it's right there in front of you to even take that next step, and it's all just about things that you messed up on, not as much about the opponents. Like you look at those special teams mistakes, but, which
2: okay. I just I, I understand where you come from with that, but it's like. All what right, I'm what sorry. do you think- I have
1: to, I have to say something that is just uh, breaking news because this is <laughs> well, okay, what unbelievable is
2: breaking news. What's up?
1: Huge news? I uh, no, it's not huge news, oh. but it's okay. huge enough. Two-time Pro Bowl running back. This is from Tom Pelissero. Melvin Gordon is expected to sign with the Chiefs. What? <laughs> anyway, is that talk a joke? About, we will talk about that later in our Chiefs recap. Sorry, go on.
2: Oh my god. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Right? Ku six and six. How many six-and-six teams are there in the country? 40? Yeah, probably something like that. I don't know. 30? 30, sure. 30 or 40 six-and-six teams?
1: How many of them do you think are having the same discussions that we're having? (laughs) Probably not as many. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of them, it's either... um, A lot of them, it's either, oh, we're just six-and-six. Yeah. And that's it. Case closed. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, So, I don't know. You can look at that one of two ways because, like... Uh, again with the special teams i would imagine uh, they went to the thing where they didn't have a special teams coordinator this year there's going to be a lot of questions about that in the off season. i i think they like how could you how could you give a big contract <laughs> extension to this coach without the idea of hey we're going to help out in other ways around the program like that's something that KU is doing one of those things that should be part of the contract is like hey i want enough a money in my this. assistant pool to be able to get like a special teams coach right <laughs> that would be helpful um but it's just like, I, I do think as as much as that certainly was, was kind of roasted on, on Twitter during the game and whatnot for KU, um, I also think that obviously KU continuing to improve their depth is going to help there. But honestly, when I look at the special teams, I honestly think, and I don't mean to do this to like scapegoat the players, but... I really do think KU's biggest deficiencies in special teams this season have just been personnel-based. I don't really think it is a huge coaching deficiency. Like, sure, you should have, yes, why is O.J. Burroughs catching the ball there, right, To be or trying to catch the ball there to begin with? Why are you returning the kick when you could just fair catch it and have it at the 25, right? Like, there are certain things where you probably should tell them as a coach, hey, do this so that that doesn't happen. But Listen, you, you, want, you want me to be a bigger advocate for not returning kicks than me. Right. I but, mean, I'm right here. If we just look at it from a standpoint, because I think a lot of times you just want to say, oh, well, special teams, that's all on the coaching because, I don't know, you just want to think that it's not like star power-based. But here's the thing. Think about last year. KU was one of the best teams. That's not hyperbole. By like punt return average yards, KU was one of the best teams in the country last year. Kwame Lasseter was great as a punt returner. He was great at making decisions. He was great at making fair catches, contested. He was good at running uh, punts back. You don't have that guy anymore. There was no obvious answer all season long. That was something we talked about in the preseason. Maybe there was someone yeah, they I mean, didn't go to they like started with Kenny Logan yeah, to start the year, I right? I thought Luke then... Grimm would have been a good candidate. They never really went to him. I don't I don't know what happened there. Um but that was a personnel thing. KU struggles in the kicking game and is a in the punting game. Those are personnel things. Do you, you know go, what I mean? Do
2: you go for a kicker in the transfer portal?
1: Yes, I absolutely. First of 100%. all, are there even any kickers in the transfer portal? I don't know. I guess you could probably get a good freshman kicker who, like, you know, is just as good as... Like, I don't think there's a huge... Like, it's, it's not like, hey, if you're a freshman offensive lineman, like, you're not your body's not going to be ready yet. No, like, kicker... You you're just, just kicking the in ball. Whoever, right. You just so kick it. It could be a high school kid. It could be a transfer portal guy. I'm sure they'll bring somebody in. But yeah, those are personnel things. Like, that's... So, I, I, I think... On one hand you could say well it's your job to develop those personnel guys and and better you know help them with those decisions of when to catch it when to not and those are true and having a special teams coordinator who that's his own job like that would certainly help but I I do think a bit of it is just the the jimmies and joes not the x's and o's
2: Yeah yeah it could be and and again like I said if the punt is inside the 10 my policy has always been why are you even trying to do anything near the ball you know that's been me since day one, you know, but, you know, it, it's okay. It is what it is, you know, so it, it's it's disappointing. Yeah. And it's – Well, it
1: wasn't just that. It was, you know, some other mistakes that you kind yeah. of give up throughout the game or, or whatnot. Um, yeah.
2: But, but again, I just go back to the fact that, you know, I think besides Deuce Vaughn, it was not like K-State was just a better team. I really I really believe that yeah. after watching that game. I mean, yeah, KU's defense is bad, but, I mean, they – it's not like K-State had – Great talent at receiver. No, like, here's the, all the
1: mistakes. You, you know. had the special teams mistakes, which we, we documented some of those. You had some flags, although you looked up before. Uh, K State actually had more flags than Kansas. Yeah, K State had
2: six penalties and KU had five.
1: Um, whether it's fumbling a football or dropping a two point conversion or you know decisions like not going for it on fourth down, th- I, I don't like understand. The third down
2: defense obviously was really poor. For third down Kansas, defense well. really
1: bad. That continues to be a trend this year. Um, I
2: mean, okay. Remember we had that discussion with KU basketball about how they would get out to like a six or eight point lead, but never really were able to make that last that next play to kind of push it over the top. Kind of the same thing with KU football we've seen this season, where they've been able to get teams into third down, and especially even some third down and long. Yeah, but they have they just they can't make that critical play on third down to really get them off the field. Yeah, if you just if you
1: just make. You I mean, they had K-State on a third and 12 from their yes. own five, and Deuce Vaughn goes for 80 yards. If, and you had, what, three guys that could have tackled him before the sticks? I mean, if you make that play, they're punting at their own end, yes. and, and I forget the score at that time, but it was certainly, I don't know if it was 16-7, 7-7, something in there. Um, that was a big play. Yeah, like, you have to be able to get off the field. So it's just, it's those little mistakes, and I don't know who to point the finger to, because I think this is a great coaching staff. I really do. At the time of that
2: uh, big play for Deuce Vaughn, it was the score was 23-14.
1: Okay, so they were, they would have got the ball back down nine. Okay, so and, and probably with a short field. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a really good coaching staff. And last season they were great at, at the amount of limited mistakes and limiting penalties and whatnot. So why yeah, is this happening this that year? That I don't has, know. That has
2: been the biggest head scratcher all season long, and
1: we've we've talked about it multiple times on Mondays, just like today.
2: After the game, where you think about this team and how they were top five in the country in penalties per game last season, they they didn't turn the ball over, making dumb decisions. They didn't have fumbling problems, and this year, for all the areas that they've taken significant strides in, that you and you really you can't underscore the importance of that enough of of where they've gotten so much better at, but of for all that improvement, they've still fallen back in certain areas and particularly in discipline and whatnot, and. And it's crazy because what what's been the messaging since day one, right? Discipline. We're we're gonna avoid bad football, and that that's they've kind of lost that a little bit this season, even though they've been
1: so much better in so many other ways, right? I wonder and, if that's a product of, and I'm not saying this this makes them like they were right to go out in the transfer portal and they brought on a lot of impactful players, yeah. But I wonder if the the discipline stuff is something that just has to be taught program wise for guys that are in the program yeah. a long time and you, and you kind of lose some of that
2: yeah maybe I mean uh, I mean it's truly unexplainable like I, I don't have an explanation for it I haven't had an explanation for it all season long it just doesn't it hasn't made a lot of sense as to why you've had some of those some of those mistakes and some of those areas that you've taken a step back in I think it might be just maybe it's just the remnants of old ke football rear rear head still every once in a while yeah it's like hey Here's twenty fourteen KU football on this play. But only that
1: play. The ghosts of the, the ghosts of KU pass. football past. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, big picture. KU overall, great season. Six and six. They went to a bowl game. They're had a schedule here. Felt like you could had more, which again is, is something you can look at both ways. You can say that, man, they're really close to even being an eight or nine win team. Um, you can also look at it and say that's very frustrating, which it is, but hey, they're going to a bowl game. Yep. And uh I I know it's it's possible they could accept a bowl game over the course of the week and, and we see it leaked or something that does happen on occasion. I don't think it'll happen for Kansas this week just because the Big 12 is in a weird situation where they're kind of awaiting on TCU to see what happens. The The Big 12 has seven bowl tie-ins. There's eight bowl-eligible teams. Now, to be clear, you don't have to worry about Kansas not making a bowl game because even there's if— There's
2: not even enough bowl teams.
1: Yes, there's only 79 bowl-eligible teams for 82 bowl-eligible spots. So, so we good. Yeah, they're good. So don't
2: it, send any KU mailbag questions about how. <laughs>
1: well, how's KU going to miss a bowl game? They're not. It was just a hypothetical. He's just curious. Boy, well, just got me riled up. We need positive, um, positive vibes. Come on. But here's the the bowls that have the Big Twelve tie-ins, just in case you're curious. So again, if if TCU wins this week, they'll make the playoff. Now, if they, we'll talk about this in a different segment. If TCU will loses, they will they still make it or will they not? I don't know. Uh, but if TCU makes the playoff, then everything works out because the the seven. Big 12 Bowl tie-ins would all fit the seven teams. If TCU doesn't, then basically it would bump one team out from one of the Big 12 tie-ins and one of the Big 12 Bowl eligibles would go to a Bowl tie-in that that doesn't have a Big 12 team but is doesn't have enough teams from whatever conference they're tied into. But these are the ones with Big 12 tie-ins. Uh, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, so in Fort Worth, December 22nd. There is the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl, which is in Dallas on December 27th. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl, which is in Phoenix on December 27th. The Liberty Bowl, which is on December 28th in Memphis. The Tax Act Texas Bowl in Houston on December 28th. Cheez-It Bowl on December 29th in Orlando. Uh, Valero Alamo Bowl, which that probably won't be it because that's usually like one of the top two or three teams. San Antonio on December 29th. And then obviously the Sugar Bowl, which would be either TCU or Kansas State uh, probably at this point. So anything stick out to you there with the bowl games? Anyone you, you would be rooting for the most? I know there's been a lot of talk of the Kansas Missouri bowl game. Missouri's yep. bowl eligible at, yep, and the Liberty, at the Liberty bowl. bowl. Yeah, okay.
2: I'll just say a couple things about that. Mm-hmm. One, no, I don't want that. <laughs> Two, they're already going to renew the KU the Missouri rivalry already. Is that why you
1: don't want it? You're just like, no. Yeah, you know why I don't you want it? play it anyway.
2: No, here's why I don't want it. I don't want it because me as a KU enjoyer, I want to enjoy and be happy about KU going to a bowl game. If KU goes to a bowl game against insert random team I don't care about here and loses, I'm going to be happy. I don't, I don't care. They go to right. a bowl game. Yeah. I'm going to be happy. If KU goes to a bowl game against Missouri and loses, <laughs> then I'm just
1: going to be angry. I'm just going to be mad. So I don't want that. It's a lot of pressure. I don't want that at all. I but just I just I'm choosing happy. The counter to that I'm is if they happiness. win that bowl game over Missouri. You know how much fun that I'm is? I'm not willing to risk that. You're not willing to risk. No. It. Yeah, I, I I'd rather think, just go and play some other random team, and then I'll just be happy regardless. I'll I think happy. that actually is a fair point. I, I also, the argument that, hey, they're going to be playing men in a few years, like that's almost like, hey, how would you feel if Kansas played a Big 12 opponent in Exactly. Like, it's like, exactly. Eh, like, like, the let's the get a bowl fun bowl exhibition. Season, you know? Yeah, bull season is meant to get fun matchups. To be clear, I don't have a problem with it because I do think it would be, make it very uh, testy. I mean, I think it would ba- make I it very fun. but Okay, KU would beat the snot out of it. But I, I, think. I think I would prefer someone else just from that standpoint. Yeah, we are going to we are gonna get the game in a few years. I'm not
2: willing to risk it. Give me, give me Army or whoever. I don't know somebody else.
1: <laughs> He's Nick Springer. Literally I'm there, Anybody Johnson. else? This is Rock Jock Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout. Let's switch gears to some KU basketball. They played three games last week. Two since our last show in the Battle for Atlantis. Let's discuss next. Half past the hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get our uh, Chiefs recap in a bit here. Ku six and one. Now they go two and one, losing the championship round to the battle for Atlantis. Oh two in their two trips there, lost to uh, Nova, I think in the semifinals that time in 2013, and then uh, Tennessee. You know, I, I I guess we'll we'll just take these one by one first so we'll start with the Wisconsin game okay. something that you just mentioned in that last segment and we talked about last week kind of the inability to get that kill shot like yeah. it felt like KU kept but, getting up like 8 or 9 and then the Tyler Wall kid just went off at the end of the game <laughs> okay but counterpoint to that mm-hmm. a positive to this though is the
2: team proves that this team still has championship mentality to go from up nine, ten points double digits to being down by 9 in the span of like three minutes at the end of the game,
1: and then it still come back and tie it and force overtime. Pretty impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the play that Bobby Pettiford made there at the end, just yeah. unbelievable uh, tracking on it and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's
2: a once in a lifetime type yeah. play for sure.
1: Jalen Wilson continued to just kind of like push the team for 29 points, 14 rebounds. He just kind of grinds through when things aren't always there for the Kansas offense I thought it was really interesting, the the usage of, of the big men, really, for the final two games. And how about in that game? Yeah. We saw Zach Clements um, for the first time since he he had the injury. And he was the first big off the bench. He was the only big off the bench. We didn't even see Ernest Uday and Zuby Edgefer after we didn't see Clements in the first game. And we did see those other two guys. And then Zach Clements just comes in, and he is chucking up threes. I think he went 0 for 6 from the game, 0 for 5 <laughs> from 3. Are we sure he's a good shooter? I saw I, the stat. I don't, I don't think we can be sure now. I mean, I saw the stat. I don't know what it ended up as. I think it was after he missed his second or third one that he had missed 11 straight threes dating back to last season. I mean, this so at guy. at this point, must he's be, missed like 14 or 15 in a row. I mean,
2: this guy must be Steph Curry in practice,
1: right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. We keep hearing about <laughs> him being a good three point shooter, and he looked good early last season, but he ended up like 6 of 22, which was like 27%, but that's also such a small sample size. And this was his first game back, so you can make excuses for all the numbers any way you see them. but, like, every time we see him line and, and the fact that he shot, like, the two biggest shots of the game prior to you making the other yeah. big shot of the game, like, he took the corner three that ended up... He got the offensive rebound, which great effort there to get it back, although he might have been out of bounds. I don't know. He got it over to Kevin McCuller, who, who hits the big three. And then another one... The other one was like, what are you... I, that was one of those no, 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 yes moments, right? Where he there's four or five seconds left in the game, mm-hmm. and he Clemens shoots says, a semi-contested thirty-foot three.
2: He says it's Zach
1: Clements' time, baby. And it was not. It was just, not. But almost, air, almost airballed it. out. Yeah, almost air-balled yeah. It. So that's that was weird. Uh, certainly thought that the the minutes of like I said, the the centers was interesting. The usage also Joe Yesifu, His usage was really interesting. Obviously the Tennessee game uh Bobby Pettiford gets injured and Dowan Harris is the foul trouble but yes was also the first guard off the bench in the Wisconsin game and up until the Tennessee game it was just it, it was not working and even in the Tennessee game it wasn't like ultra efficient he did hit some shots for a, a team that couldn't really hit any shots so yeah the potential is there still there because obviously you need that offensive punch and so I mean I still think I still think it's got to be MJ Rice that fills that that hole because
2: Joe Yesafu is just he's too inconsistent. He turns it over too much and he's just it's just as you said, I mean, up until the Tennessee game that definitively it was not working. Right. And in the Tennessee game, it started to like kinda work,
1: but it still wasn't like it was like, oh wow, off the bench, here's a huge offensive punch. I'm getting like Charlie Moore vibes. Like you have this small guard who comes in as somebody who uh was it's known for being to be a, a good a scorer, scorer, right? Yeah. yeah. And Charlie Moore was was solid at that at Cal on a bad team, but then comes to Kansas. And whether it's just a mental block or just something about the fit with the team or just, I don't know, not figuring it out, whatever it is, just couldn't ever figure it out. But then he went off to, you know, eventually in his like sixth season or whatever it was, have (laughs) have a really good final season with Miami. Went to the Elite Eight and they they played against Kansas.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no question that you can, it's happened quite a bit with various players throughout Bill Self's time at Kansas. There are just guys that just, for whatever reason, they just don't mesh. Just doesn't translate. It just doesn't yeah. mesh with Bill. With whether it's with Bill Self or however he runs the system or whatever it is, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and that doesn't mean they're not solid players, right? We've seen lots of other guys besides Charlie Moore go and end up Sometimes being successful. It's not great. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and so yeah. Yes, we had 14 in the Tennessee game, and it's still for me like wait and see because we still are early-ish in the season, and he is someone who if he can score for you and hit tough shots like. That's a huge boon to a team that needs just that. So I'm not like giving up on it, but I am getting a little bit of those Charlie Moore vibes uh, with that one. Uh, so they end up winning, they scathe by, and then the Tennessee game happened. That was an affront to God on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, really bad. Uh, I think we kind of found out what happens when, because we had been operating under the conversation of, Kansas needs a third option. And in certain times they need a second option because Grady Dick might be uh unable to to get an open shot off movement or in the corner and just kind of standing because he's not really someone who's going to like create a shot off the dribble. Um who can be that second or third option for this team? Well, what happens when Jalen Wilson has a bad offensive game? 3 of 15. To where he's not scoring 20 points. He was 3 of 15 in that game. And that's what happens. Kansas looks like that on offense. And they didn't get much from Grady yeah, Dick and, either. Yeah,
2: well, and I thought Tennessee did. Tennessee basically went in and said, "We're just going to face guard Grady Dick, and every time in the half court, and not even let him get the ball." And to be clear, not every team can do that. Ten- no, I know. With uh, the Tennessee has a lot of length. Yes, Unless they it, do. Tennessee, they're is are probably team man.
1: Tennessee is probably going to end up being a, a three or a four seed at least in well, the NCAA You know what's term. fun? I mean, this you know, is a good team. You know what's fun? Uh, Ken Palm, right now, you would you like to take a guess where Tennessee is ranked? Oh, I'm guessing they're like thirty. Tennessee, not Kansas. Oh, Kansas is 18th for what it's worth. Is is Tennessee in the top five? Tennessee is ranked third. (laughs) So you see the AP poll and you're like, ah, 22nd team. That's a six seed and you just lost by 14. No, this is a a good team. They are, and, and here's the other kicker. Tennessee is number one on defense on Ken Palm. So, like, let's not overreact to this game. It's a very good physical team that blew out Gonzaga in the exhibition game.
2: Oh, and, and they're, they're not-so-secret-secret secret scrimmage?
1: Yes. No, that one was actually televised because it was, like, for charity, oh, okay. so they were able to televise it. Okay. Um,
2: so the the not-secret, not-secret Yeah, not-secret
1: at all secret okay. scrimmage. Um, but, yeah, I, I also wonder, too, so you, you played a good opponent who has an elite defense who's very physical early in the season when – Bill Self just comes back, and you're both still your, working on... Both your point guards go out. Yes, both your... That's never going to happen again. Dewan Harris is not going to foul. If he does foul out, it certainly won't be in 18 minutes again. I feel confident in that. Bobby Pettiford gets injured. You have a bad game from Jalen Wilson. You have um, a third game in three days for a team that hasn't been able to rely on the bench like at all so that the starters are going to be more tired. Plus, yeah, you, I mean, you have players going to the beach and pool, which is going to kind of dehydrate you. I know yeah, that... I
2: mean, I, I don't want to harp on that because... Tennessee also played their third game in three days, right? Mm. Now, obviously, I think what you said is about KU's bench is probably less true about Tennessee. They have a little bit of a deeper bench, but I I don't know how much I want to make an excuse by saying,
1: well, it was their third game in three days.
2: Like, I I I don't really want to add everything up. No, yeah, I understand. I
1: understand. So, I mean, uh, you lost last year to Dayton. Um, I think Kansas is going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, what did we say? Do I need to say it again? November Go games don't matter. They don't <laughs> matter at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the offense, it's a bit problematic, and I didn't love the half-court scoring. The fact that Tennessee had 17 first-half turnovers, and yet they led by eight, like, that's not good. The rebounding continues to be a problem. It's now kind of a trend. The center p- possession, or position is kind of a mess right now. Uh, the offense, who's the second and third option, those are still questions. The bench sucks right now over the last five games. The bench has combined for 221 minutes played. They have 30 points on 29% shooting. They have 29 rebounds. That's pretty bad. In 221 minutes. They have 8 assists to 19 turnovers. If you averaged out what the bench has produced to an individual player in like if they played 30 minutes a game, the stat line would be 4 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist on 29% shooting. Bad. And that would get... Even miles worse if you take out the fourteen-point bench outing by Joe Yesufu in twenty-seven minutes. But yeah, you, you rotated different centers. You never really found one guy who stuck or, or played better than the other. Uh, the bench didn't score, so there are there are certainly concerns to come away from. But again, for sure, you're six and one. You beat Duke and Wisconsin, NC State. Probably one of the two, maybe both, end up being NCAA tournament teams. You lost to a really good opponent. I feel like, what w- I, feel like w- I feel
2: like Wisconsin for sure will be a tournament. Mm-hmm. Team.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, All preseason, we said, "Eh, there could be some hurdles early in the year for Kansas. They got a young team. They got a lot of new players, a lot of new roles. Bill Self suspended the first four games. Could take this team a little bit of time. Come back in February. And now it's like, oh, they lost by 14 to Tennessee. Freak out. No, they're fine. They're fine. November games don't matter. They might lose another game. They might lose. You just hope they don't lose to like Missouri. They, they could lose that to Indiana. Indiana that would, that you know, would really top 10 suck.
2: team. That would really suck if they lost to Missouri. But they're going to be fine. And Indiana is at Allen Fieldhouse. So I think they'll be fine there too.
1: I hope. He's I Nick just Springer. I just won't go to that game. Yeah, you're, you're the bad luck charm. November games don't matter. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Chiefs recap next quarter till 4 you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer I'm Derek Johnson we have the KU game against Texas Southern tonight already back at it feels weird that they play right away on the a Monday it'll be at 5.30 when pregame coverage takes over in the middle of RCST and then uh, lead up to tip off at 7 o'clock for Kansas and Texas Southern who I feel like they play like every year um, did they play them last the non-con? year? I think so are you sure? I mean, I'm not, like, willing to, like, bet my life on it, but I feel good about it. I don't think they did it. last year. They definitely played in the past, though. Yeah, they've played a lot. I No, you know what? Didn't they play in the NCAA tournament last year? Oh, maybe that's what it
2: was. Because they were the 16. They played in the play-in.
1: Yeah. So that wasn't a scheduled one. Um, but they've played them a good amount of times. <laughs> I I don't know why I'm, like, hampered by this. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Um, it's Chiefs seven. take down the Rams, twenty-six to ten. Chiefs, kind of a sleepy win, dude. The most boring <laughs> snooze fest. Just, I was really having trouble like coming game. up with like thoughts from this game. You're no, just, yeah, like, I
2: mean, like, what, you, like, what are you supposed to take away? New, you know, the Rams are rolling out Bryce Perkins. No offense to Bryce Perkins, with no Cooper Cup, and their offensive line stinks. Van Jefferson got hurt, or not Van Jefferson, Uh, Allen Robinson yeah. got hurt too, right? Or was it Van Jefferson? It One of those Alan other Robinson. guys. Allen yeah. Robinson got hurt too. So I couldn't even name their next two receivers after Van Jefferson. So, I mean, I, I don't understand how you could draw any meaningful conclusions from the defense. You're playing a third-string quarterback <laughs> in his first career start without the best receiver in maybe the league, Cooper Cup.
1: What, what are you supposed to take away? And they have, like, oh, the good worst job. offensive line. Good job, Chris Jones. Yeah. Good job. Good. Hey, Nick Bolton had a great game. Oh, good job, Nick I, Bolton. That's the only takeaway is that you didn't give up like 20-plus points, which is good because that would have been bad, right? Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to have takeaways. You're this, right. This
2: game, to me, felt like the Packers game last year.
1: Yeah. Jordan Love played. I was thinking the now, same thing. I will say
2: that game was a little bit worse because the offense was really bad in that game. But same similar vibes, right? Like the Chiefs just kind of roll in like, okay, we're playing – the third string or we're playing a guy in his first start, like whatever. Right. The defense does pretty well as they should. The offense kind of screws around and doesn't look very great, but obviously they still win. That's what this felt like. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, the chiefs had five trips to the red zone and only scored a TD once,
1: which is crazy.
2: Like that's, that's, that's bad. It is. Bad. But I mean, are you really going to sit here and be concerned about the chiefs offense because of that?
1: I'm now, not, I don't think so. They came into the game third in the NFL in red zone offense. Exactly. Hasn't been, like, a common problem. The Rams do have a good defense. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, like, the, maybe the only takeaway. I mean, it didn't even away. feel like
2: the offense was trying in the second half.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, special teams, like, negative takeaway there. Like, please, please stop having Sky Moore return punts. I yeah. thought he looked good as a receiver. Um yeah. How about the running game, though? You know, that was a that was Very top good. five rushing defense yep. in the Rams. Pacheco, Pacheco was good. continues to Pacheco be good. Pacheco is very fun. Runs so hard, man. He gets hit okay. so hard. you see hard, how many times too? he would like just get hammered
2: and then just get up and still yes. run around? I was like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you just running around? <laughs> the play's done. Like, like, what are you doing? He he's he did like, it like ten
1: times. No, when you when you're like playing football when you're younger, your your dad will be like, hey, he's when the, you get like hit, the- just get up and and tough it out and act like nothing happened. But he he takes that to the extreme. <laughs> He like jolts up and runs and like I'm I'm stronger now. It's like <laughs> you know Black Panther has that like oh yeah thing on his suit. It's like, oh, I'm getting it's like, stronger every time you hit me. Yeah, when he gets hit, it like sends off a shockwave. That's like Isaiah Pacheco, and he looks really good, man. I mean, it just adds another element to the offense. I thought Ronald Jones ran hard and looked. Good. That was trippy. That Ronald Jones wore the number two and is a big running back with not as not as like long of the the hair as Derrick Henry. Oh. But yeah, you know, for a second there, I was like, "Wait a minute, well, is that Derrick Henry."
2: Well, on, <laughs> on the subjects of running backs, so mm-hmm. I guess we got to talk about Melvin Gordon now.
1: Yeah, might as well bring that up now. Melvin Chiefs Gordon signing him sign. to the practice squad for now. Just, it just, I just, I just don't understand. Well, the Chiefs play the Broncos twice, so it could be. Hey, let's Melvin uh, Gordon does hate the Broncos. He does. He he uh, took to Twitter after. Yeah, that was the hilarious. Team and, uh, Certainly was well, happy it seems to leave like there.
2: Everybody for the Broncos hates the Broncos.
1: Yes, so I mean, I don't think anybody hates the Broncos more than they hate themselves. Well, it's like it's it's one thing if like when the Chiefs signed say like Terrell Suggs a couple years ago, like he's probably not gonna like narc on the Ravens. He was a Raven for 15 years. He's not gonna give away all their <laughs> secrets. Like like uh, he'll probably have his jersey retired there. Melvin Gordon, if you're mad about your stay with Denver, you come over here. Hey. We'll share the secrets. Do they really need them because the Broncos no, are bad? you're going to beat not. them by 100 anyway. It doesn't hurt, though. Um, I okay. mean, he's free. It, it hurts nothing you to sign him. You mentioned
2: how you you were think trying to think of things to talk about with this game. Here's what I would like to discuss. Was Kadarius Tony the biggest tease of all time? How so? He was injured he a bunch play. with the Giants. No, that, that's the point I'm trying to get to. He was injured a bunch with the Giants. The Chiefs trade for him. He makes a couple flashy plays in a couple flashy games. And then is he just going to be, I'm, I'm saying, is Kadarius Tony just going to be who he was for the Giants, which is a guy that is just hurt all the time and plays like four games a season?
1: Uh, I mean, I can't discount it because that's clearly been an issue for him in his time.
2: I mean, is he just going to be a better version of Sammy Watkins where he just plays like three games and
1: then is hurt the rest of the year? That's, a, that's an interesting comparison with Sammy Watkins. Is it wrong? But do you take that if you're the Chiefs? If he I comes, I do. guess.
2: I guess if like I guess if we're comparing it directly to Sammy Watkins, if Kadarius Tony comes back and wins you a playoff game, right? Then I guess you
1: maybe would. Well, I mean, I wouldn't on the Sammy Watkins contract with the Chiefs, right? It was three years, like sixty million or something, something high up. But Kadarius Tony's on a rookie deal, so if you're getting that from a rookie, sure. I'm I, just saying, like, is it, is it too early? Is it too early to have that discussion? I feel like um, this could
2: have been an overreaction. Is, is it too early to have this discussion? Of this yes. guy is a tease for the Chiefs. Yes, where he comes in, he was he was quote unquote hurt with the Giants. He comes in, plays two or three games, looks really good. Now he's hurt again, and he's not going to play again. Am I am I overreacting?
1: Yes, I think so.
2: You think it's too early? So when is it? When would be the appropriate time to have this discussion? Do we need to wait another two or
1: three weeks? I think longer than that. I mean, it's been. You realize how small of a sample it has been. He's been with the team for what three weeks? That's what I'm saying. And he's played two games or three games, whatever. And now he's hurt. Listen, I'm just, I'm
2: just, I'm just thinking out loud here. No,
1: I, I'm not, okay, okay. I'm not That's ready fine. to go there. That's fine. That's
2: fine. I, I will say, I was, <clears throat> I was very impressed with with Sky Moore mentally after another muffed punt. He, they, the Chiefs go back to him. He makes a great catch, like literally on the next drive. He makes like a fantastic catch, and he, the Chiefs still got him involved, and so that was a good sign. And you know, you talked about with the with KU about how maybe it's not so much a coaching problem. Is that the same problem with the Chiefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a coaching problem.
1: Does Dave Tobe actually suck? See, that's with this one. It's almost like why are you, why is the coach allowing him to go out there? right because with KU it's not like OJ Burrows had muffed you know three whatever it was two or three punts oh yeah. yeah coming into that game KU's used different punt returners they've tried different guys with the Chiefs it's like hey let's let's keep going back to this well and it's like there's there's mud well, in the water dude I don't think dude. it
2: should you should be doing that to mess with a rookie
1: like that yeah like like to me that is a a bad coaching decision of basically saying Hey, this is something – because that that's one of the biggest things you need to do as coaches. Put guys in situations where they are going to most benefit that plays to their strength. Right? Yeah. Find new yeah. ways to do that. It clearly does not play to Sky Moore's strength. He is a pretty good receiver. He's not a good punt returner.
2: We think he's a pretty good receiver. Yeah. I mean, he's shown flashes.
1: Yeah. I did see that he was like the only rookie receiver taken in the top. I think like whatever it was, 80 or whatever, that doesn't have a touchdown. I don't know how many there are. Probably like 10. So that's not fun. Uh, well, nonetheless, you know, just stop having him return punts.
2: No, I, listen, The circle back, man. Don't, don't don't put anybody back there.
1: Don't put I anybody back there. I disagree with that. NFL punters are really good. They could just angle it out of bounds. NFL punters are good, but you're the Chiefs. Just have somebody who can catch. You. You're the Chiefs. Just fair catch. Fair catch. You're Mahomes. Until McCall Hardman comes back, and then he can do the punt return. Well, I mean, Kadarius Tony's supposed to be your punter, yeah. returner, but, but it's too
2: early to have that conversation about if he's just going to be injured all
1: the time. He's been injured one week. He's been injured two weeks. What is it? I, he guess, got injured I, mean, last, I guess he got injured ago. in the Chargers game.
2: He, he What? In the Chargers but like game, the, he, had, the he played could like have one play? At any point. But that's the whole point, is that he has injury problems, and so he's the tease that he's never
1: going to actually be on the field. Again, if, if this happens like consistently, I'm there. I just don't think we can make that conclusion after one time. Um, okay. That's fine. But yeah, I mean this was just a this was just like the
2: Jaguars game that I we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, an extremely boring, forgettable game that nobody's going to talk about ever again. Nobody's going to be like, "Hey, remember
1: that time the Chiefs beat Bryce Perkins?" This is going to be so two years from now you're going to be like, "Oh, that did happen." <laughs> no, okay. The only way that this, the only way that you would ever
2: say that is like if Bryce Perkins ends up being like a this crazy story where he ma- makes the playoffs or whatever, you know, takes over the starting job, whatever, right? Like, I guess you could say that same thing about Jordan Love, right? Like if Jordan Love ends up being like this great quarterback for the Packers, maybe maybe you think back to that time that he played the Chiefs in his first game at Arrowhead and got and got beat. But this is just a game where you are just like, man, eh, whatever, you know. Listen, it's the NFL; it's an eighteen game season. You are gonna have games like this. Right, you're going to have forgettable games. Not every game can be Mahomes making the greatest play of all time every week. Sometimes you're just going to have a game yeah. where the other team sucks. You're not going to play your greatest game. I think we both agree with that. The Chiefs did not play the greatest game by any stretch of the word and you win easily. And that's it. That's
1: all that's all that's all there is to it. This is a big one coming up Sunday against the Bengals. If they win that, then the the ride to the 1 seed looks pretty good from there. Uh, but you would they got to take you would think. business with uh, <clears throat> Cincinnati on the road that's going to be a tough one. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence Venue 1235 is a large climate controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson one hour down, two to go, no just kidding one and a half to go. Case of the Mondays coming up next. After your weekend-long bender. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays.
0: Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
2: You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm I to calm down. Look around you.
0: With Derek Johnson.
2: When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays?
1: No. No, man. Four o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are out early today at 5.30 for pregame coverage of Kansas versus Texas Southern. You can hear right here on your original home for the Jayhawks with KLWN, klwn klwn.com, and the KLWN app. But it was a long weekend, so certainly case of the Mondays for a lot of people today. Although maybe you feel more refreshed. We've had this argument before. Yeah, maybe.
2: But I mean, you know, listen, for some people hanging out with family, it can be... It's just kind of exhausting. Like
1: I need to go back it's to like work. A
2: second, it's like a second job <laughs> for some people.
1: Are you saying that's for yourself?
2: No, 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 no. Okay. I had a very, I had a very nice, relaxing weekend.
1: You know, no, yeah, it was, it was good. good. I just not for me. Holiday, holiday weekends, and this time of year when it's darker and you know it's yeah. cloudier and yeah. colder. It's just harder to, you know, get up and, and come oh, for in sure. and whatnot. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Here is who's having a case of the Mondays today here on Rock Truck Sports Talk. First up, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Not just having a case of the Mondays. It is but dead. They're, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely a case of the Mondays. <laughs> That's kind of messed up. <laughs> Andy Katz uh, broke this earlier today. ESPN will announce today the Big 10 ACC Challenge will end this week after 23 years. Should we change the name of this segment to
2: the case of the being dead? (laughs) Okay, this is actually fine, though. I guess you can't have the case of the Mondays if you're dead. That's a good point. This is actually fine because, listen, at some point when you have these conference challenges, Mm.
1: you play everyone else in the other conference. So then... Why are you still doing it? Or you just play Kentucky every year. Um, That's, yeah, or, so, or that too. Yeah, so Or big, you just
2: get the same matchup every year.
1: The Big Ten ACC ending this week. Also, the Big 12 SEC Challenge will conclude in January after a 10-year run. And the ACC SEC Challenge is going to happen for men and women the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so in 2023
2: Does the Big 12 add a challenge with another conference And if so who? So right
1: now they have the Big East But yeah I don't think that's going to replace it I, I think So Andy Katz actually followed up on the tweet And said this opens up the door He didn't say it's going to happen But he said it opens up the door That the Big 12 and the Big 10 Could just come to an agreement And honestly that almost makes more sense For the ACC and SEC To have their deal Like regionally? Yeah just regionally yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah. have North Carolina versus South Carolina Whatever yeah. you want to do right? Yeah. Kentucky versus Duke Um in the Big Ten, Big Twelve, you have a lot of the teams kind of regionally in the same area, so we could get Kansas versus I don't know Michigan, Michigan State. In years you don't have the Champions Classic, uh, Ohio State. Right? You don't. They're, you don't
2: want a Big Twelve Missouri Valley challenge? No. That's, those are, those are schools that are
1: close regionally. No, Missouri Valley can do like the Summit League or something. They can do that. <laughs> that'll that'll work for those two conferences. No offense to those. Uh, it is a little bit sad, though, because I, I do actually like the the kind of yearly, like, Kentucky. I know it hasn't always been Kentucky. There was A&M in there and Tennessee. What was your favorite Big 12 SEC challenge, I guess? Hmm. That's so memorializing it. I think for uh, me, I'll, I'll give you my answer to give okay. you more time to ponder it. Okay. Um, it was the Kansas at Kentucky in 2017. So it would have been the 16-17 season with Frank Mason, Josh Jackson, Devontae Graham. And that Kentucky team was really good. That Kentucky team had De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and Bam Adebayo. Who uh, Monk's gonna have a solid long NBA career. But like in the case of Fox and Adebayo, like those are um, yeah. both like top 40, I guess, players in the NBA. Like really good players. And they were really good in. in bat- I mean, they ended up making the Elite Eight that year, and they lost them that Luke May buzzer beater. Otherwise, that Kentucky team might have won the title if not for that. And Kansas went into Lexington. Uh, I remember they were they were not very deep at the five position. Uh, Landon Lucas, I think, got in foul trouble, but they were still able to overcome it. They, they had a they got down early and then they had a big run at the end of the half and and they won. That was that was one of the most fun regular season games I can remember. I mean,
2: anytime you beat Calipari, that's my favorite automatically.
1: Can't stand that. Well, game. there's the, the year before too where they unveiled the rules of basketball there that I think would uh, go up there. Yeah. Um, Tennessee hasn't gone well for Kansas, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm i sad to see that part of it go. Kansas will still get Kentucky in the Champions Classic. They can always schedule them kind of for like a home-and-home home as as a side part of it. Because I always thought that was cool. You have the two winningness programs and whatnot. But uh, yeah. it's not like a huge deal. They'll replace it with some other big game. You suck, Cal. <laughs> case of the Mondays. The calm in Commanders is not for common sense. <laughs> Washington having a case of the Mondays. They just continue to be operated so poorly, man. And yet they're doing well on the field. They are doing they're well. Doing well, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, the answer. So they unveiled a what they said was going to be a statue of Sean Taylor. Yeah, their the former safety who died too early from um, a break in and then like gunshots at his house, and he they unveiled it. It was definitely not a statue. The, 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 glor- the term was that they a, used A glorified mannequin Yeah, the term they used on like uh, Different headlines was a mannequin But it wasn't even a mannequin To me a mannequin uh, it was is like, like, an, like, it, was like a, it was like an exoskeleton yes. Of like a person Yeah, because to me a mannequin is like the white I guess it could be whatever color But like the I don't know, it's just like the person that is no, This was like a wire eyes, This was you know like I mean? a wire frame Yes, it was a like wire a, frame like, like a, a metal wire frame, aluminum or something of a person with with no eyes. It's just for the the arms, and then the everything else is like blank and it's see through. And then it had the helmet and the jersey and the shoulder pads and stuff on it. It's just come on, dude. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed this. They were like showing the video where they unveiled it. You can see like the pure mess that that stadium is. They like they just have like PVC pipe like hanging out in the open, like above <laughs> where the uh, concession line is, because that's how they had to like fix their piping and stuff. Remember when? the like poop was just coming out from the piping last year oh i do remember that you no know? bad yeah thing.
2: it's 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 not good and obviously dan snyder has a lot of problems as well and
1: nobody likes him. no
2: okay but, next but, no. i like tainter i
1: like heineke though i do too he's fun nathaniel hackett case of the mondays he could be on here like every week <laughs> really good uh but not only is he bad and the team is bad <laughs> It's clear that things are getting to... The Broncos came into last week. I haven't checked this week if they're still number one. But they came in last week with the number one defense in the NFL. I would imagine they're still probably top two, if not, after giving up 23 points to the Panthers. Uh, they might still be number one. Uh, there was that stat going around, which if they had scored 18 points or more, even just 18 exactly, which is not like a high total at all, in regulation, they would have been, I guess, now 9-2 and two after the Panthers game. And so clearly, if you're a part of the defense, you're going to be like, hey, offense, pick it up. Yeah. And then when you add in that Russell Wilson is making $250 million
2: to parade around saying, yes. oh, let's ride,
1: let's ride. Yes. And he is probably, for a lot of the teammates, they find him annoying annoying, and too much. It's going to run some hot tempers. So uh, Mike Purcell, who is one of the team's defensive tackles, There's a video of him coming to the sideline, and he is, like, screaming at Russ. He gets, like, right in his face. Yes. And low-key, right there, right next to him, is Nathaniel Hackett, like, acting like he can't hear it or just, like, ignoring any of it. It's like, yeah, nothing's happening. Yeah, that's that's bad. If I ignore it, it didn't happen. Like, if I ignore getting my bills in the mail, then (laughs) I don't have to pay him. Yeah, I mean. He's going to be a one and done, right? Like There's no way he makes it.
2: Nathaniel Hackett? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and it's like, I mean, it's like, listen, I don't like the Broncos, obviously. And clowning on Nathaniel Hackett is fun. But, like, it's almost like that thing where, I mean, how can you just clown on him every week and it's still funny? Or, like, are you going to get tired of it at some point? Mm. Of just clowning on him every week. Probably every week. Too much at you some just point. dunk on Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. Like, at what point is it like? You it's just, just sad, feel bad. Right? Yeah, you just feel bad. You're sad, right?
1: Okay. Uh, case of the Mondays. Small hats. Dude, this picture is so absurd. I wish. I, could. Yeah, I know it's it's said that it's radio. I it's wish like, we were like video or it's something. It's like, like the whatever way you and I could describe this picture mm-hmm. does not do it justice. Does not. Uh, I would just please recommend Brian. I don't know. You could probably just search Brian Robinson large hat on Google. <laughs> It'll pop up or, or on Twitter or whatnot. I will try to explain it the best I can. So <laughs> Brian Robinson in the post game <laughs> just wore this absolutely absurd hat. It so it basically just looks like a normal like baseball, like new era, like the 5950, whatever the brand is. Hats. Here's the exception the hat is gigantic. Like, me saying it is gigantic is not like, oh, it's a size nine and he's a size seven, so it's a little too big. No, like this hat is it's like if I took a, it's, it's like the size of a suitcase, it's like the size of a Christmas tree. Well, the, the best
2: part is like Brian Robinson, the quote is like. Oh, yeah, my friend has a big hat company. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, and that's, like, literally, that's the best <laughs> way to describe it. It's a big hat company that makes big hats. I like, would... think about, like, a, imagine, like, a
1: sombrero, but, like, mm-hmm. triple in size. But then it's not a sombrero. It's a regular hat. Dude, I'm not joking. I kind of want to buy one like an RCST um, <laughs> giant. Imagine if we. That'd be a great marketing strategy. All right, Nick, just I'm going to gonna a buy you season tickets to the KU, ba- exactly. to KU basketball. Just, you just go to a game wearing that you hat. You'd be like it's a Marlins, man. Except yes. in, instead of wearing orange, you just, yeah, you wear the big hat. You wear the big as hat. As rock Chalk Sports Talk. Yes. No, I'm 100% down for that. Oh, of course it's you incredible. are. You get season tickets. But you would look like an idiot. You realize that. <laughs> but all in the sake of marketing. Okay. But no, but I mean, uh, I mean, what
2: I, I, I look like an idiot, or what would would I look like a genius? Because my like head, my brain is so big, my head's so big that I need the big hat. Please, plus, just plus I would the never, picture. I would never, you'd never have to buy an umbrella. You put the big hat on, you're <laughs> totally protected from any,
1: I love that, anything man. in the elements. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, big hats. Uh, I, I hope we get more big hat companies. <laughs> I just imagine a world where like everyone is wearing one. It's great. That be so ridiculous. Case of the Mondays for Odell Beckham Jr., who's is, still this waiting. This is a bizarre story. Right
2: this is a bizarre story.
1: Apparently, the, the Cowboys are, like, by far the favorite to sign him. Really? It feels like he's, like, teasing everyone, though, and I no, don't I'm like so it. No, I'm so sick and tired of it. I'm kind of actually. tired of it, too. Yeah, like, dude.
0: Just pick a team. I'm not.
2: I'm not gonna. I don't care about you tweeting I emojis every to other every week. Team yes. Responding
1: to every star yeah, dude, quarterback like, of every team you're grow interested up. in today. Like you're. You're. Like, oh, you what are this you? This weekend. Like what are you, bro? You're, just you're an NFL chasing. receiver. Just go. Let it be. Go catch footballs. Uh, but he was removed from a flight at Miami International Airport on Sunday after police said the free agent receiver was quote in and out of consciousness and refused to leave the airplane when asked. It was funny because the night of. Like Saturday night, I think it was. He was like tweeting out, "You won't believe what just happened to me." This crazy story, all this stuff, and then we find this story on Sunday. And it, it, I don't know. I I actually do want to kind of hear his side of the story because, like, yeah, it's
2: just so it's just so weird that you feel like there has to be something else going on,
1: right? Uh, he, Beckham's attorney says that it was the result of an overzealous flight attendant. According to a statement from the Miami-Dade Police Department, officers were called to the airport for a medical emergency after the flight was, crew was expressed concern that Beckham was seriously ill. The flight crew was concerned for a passenger as they tried to wake him to fasten his seatbelt. He appeared to be coming in and out of consciousness prior to their departure. Fearing that Mr. Beckham was seriously ill and that his condition would worsen through the expected five-hour flight, the attendants called for police and fire rescue. Upon the officer's arrival, the flight crew asked Mr. Beckham several times to exit the aircraft, which he refused. It says, At no time was Mr. Beckham disputive or disruptive or combative. He was willing to comply with the seatbelt requirement, but the flight attendant wanted to prove that he had the authority to have Mr. Beckham removed from the flight. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't know. This is just kind of know. a weird story. Well, and
2: did the... And- my my question is: Did they know that they were dealing with Odell Beckham Jr.? or Did they just think there was just some random guy? I feel like you
1: have to know who Odell. But he's—I guess the person could just not be like a sports fan at all. Uh, <laughs> See, the, that's
2: why it's so tough for people like us.
1: Yeah, it's like I would clearly know who. It's it like was how? Like like it's like uh, it's it's impossible to conceive of people out there that don't know like who those people are. Okay, spin spinning on this. Um, okay, this was in Miami. Okay, the flight attendant knew who he was. He was. Just he's a, like he was a
2: Dolphin I really, fan, yeah, Dolphins fan. Mad about or Jaguars. Mad or something. that he wasn't signing with his team. Yes,
1: and he's like, I'm going to keep you here, and, and wherever they were going, I forget where it said they were going. Um, like let's say they were going to Dallas or somewhere that he was possibly <laughs> it was a five-hour flight. Him. He was like, he was I need to, to keep him here in Florida to give my team an extra day to sign him, and maybe it'll it'll make the other team mad. They'll be like, Oh, he got kicked off a flight. We don't want to sign that guy. He's a head case right? Yeah, genius move. To try to get him to sign with your team. Yeah. Or, but, or it
2: could backfire though because some bad PR like this, maybe it ends up he doesn't get signed with anybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, Case of the Mondays, the MLS. You would think that you'd get a big boost from ratings from the World Cup. Well, the U.S. is 00 and 2. I saw somebody say they were like, if you really want people to love soccer more, the U.S. being 00 and 2 with two ties is like oh, and also the them, American thing ever.
2: One of them was a 0 0 draw. Like, I can't think of a better way to get people to watch your sport than, than yeah. wasting 95 minutes of their life on a 0-0 game. Well, and then reports came it. out. They could have just stood still for two hours, <laughs> and you would have the same result. They could have just put the ball in play, and everybody just stands there.
1: Well, same uh, outcome. Uh, there were reports coming out that actually made it pretty exciting, though, that Messi was going to be signing with an MLS club, but there have been counter reports today saying, not so fast, my friend. So uh, just a bummer. Yeah, but also that would
2: then just contribute. I mean, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is a very real sense, I think, from big picture-wise of soccer fans that the MLS is like a retirement home for good players. Yes. So it's like, you know, oh, who cares? That would just further further lead into that. Nah, yeah,
1: who cares? <laughs> Last one, Case of the Mondays, NFL Red Zone.
2: Okay, this is actually also a pretty wild story. So on NFL Red Zone, obviously, in the 3 o'clock slate, the Raiders and the Seahawks game was going to overtime, and Scott Hanson, the host of NFL Red Zone, uh, I guess there was some sort of mix-up to where he said, "Oh, because of contractual obligations, whatever with the NFL, like we have to cut away, but flip over to your local CBS affiliate and you'll be able to catch the end of the game there." So the NFL Red Zone, NFL Red Zone cuts off their coverage. Right? Here's the bad news: that was a regionally televised game. So there was a bunch of people tweeting. Oh, wow, really excited to watch 60 minutes now, but so I can't watch the end of the, the game on Red Zone. So the only markets that got to see the end of the game
1: were the Seahawks, were Seattle, and Las Vegas. And people were not happy about it. I wasn't happy. I switched channels. Not cool, man. Were you, were you watching it? I was trying to. I was watching on Red Zone, <laughs> and then I was trying to watch the rest, and I couldn't. <laughs> didn't ruin my day. There was I mean, a lot
2: of people very upset about it. Las Vegas, Seattle. It wasn't like that, that were mad that they could so not I, watch uh, the NFL. I guess game. I'll just see the highlights. So I guess later. people just don't understand like how markets and contracts work. Like, first of all, there's no league I think ever that is more restrictive with their viewing or how to view games than the NFL. Uh, right? MLB. Okay, that's fair. MLB is fair. That's a fair argument. But I mean, seriously, like in the NFL, like if you're not in the if you're not in that team's regional market, and they're not on a national game. Good luck trying to watch them. So, have Sunday ticket. I mean, people are just uh, I don't know, I guess they just don't understand. But he- then everyone was getting mad at Scott Hansen. And he was just he don't it's like the situation of don't shoot the messenger. But still, NFL red zone, case of the Mondays.
1: All right, we're going to switch gears after this. We're going to be joined by Brandon Schneider, the head coach of the KU Women's Basketball team, off to a 5-0 and start. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. <laughs> joined now by special guest Brandon Schneider, the head coach of the KU Women's Basketball team here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And five and zero start to the season for the women's team including last week out in moraga california as part of the saint mary's thanksgiving classic taking down maine 76 49 and then saint mary's the hosting team 73 to 53 i guess we'll start right there uh what do you think of your team's performance certainly uh, a couple sizable wins to come away with over thanksgiving week
0: well i think generally um i thought we really grew defensively um Played two teams that uh, you know run different styles offensively, but but really executed a high level. You know, St. Mary's was shooting almost forty eight percent from the field on the season, and I think we held them to about thirty five. So um, definitely made some progress there. I think uh, played a lot more connected on the offensive end. Um, you know, I liked our our balance. Um, you know, I thought we had uh, several people have have really nice uh, tournaments.
1: Well, what you mentioned with the defense there overall on the season, opponents are shooting just thirty four percent against you guys so far in this year. What can you say about that end of the floor and, and what has made things go well for you in the early portion?
0: Well, I you know I didn't think we played very well in our first couple of games. Um, you know, gave up over seventy points to. Uh, to UTA, and I think, um, you know, had a really good film session um, where, you know, I hate to say you recommit, but uh, that early in the year, but I think we identified that we were capable of being much better, uh, much more connected on the defensive end, and um, I, I consequently I think in our last three games, you know, we've taken a lot of pride in, in, in really trying to hold teams um at or below 50 points
1: well right now your team's leading scorer tyana jackson putting up 16 points per game averaging a double double and we talked a lot about her over the course of the preseason and that you know obviously we we knew what she was defensively but that she was adding even more to her offensive repertoire headed into this season shooting 66 percent from the field 82 percent from the foul line um does it does it feel like everything is kind of coming together for her in the early part of this season
0: I, you know, I think she's playing with a lot more confidence uh, just in her overall game and skill set than maybe a year ago. I mean, she's put in the time and the work. Um, you know, we tell her all the time that confidence is knowledge based on truth, and the truth is, you've put in the work, and you deserve to believe in yourself. And um, you know, she's she's doing a great job of running the floor, trying to get early position in transition. I think her teammates are doing a better job each and every day in, in trying to find her uh, when she rim runs and, and works hard for the ball. Um, and then everything else, she's just you know, getting things uh, through the framework of our offense. And um, you know, I think uh, she, she's got the chance to continue to, to make progress and, and develop even more.
1: Well, Holly has put up really big totals and and kind of grinded along, but the shooting hasn't necessarily uh, been as consistent as we're used to so far this season. How do you go about that with her? Because obviously, you know, she is that capable and she's still impacting winning. But uh, to try to you know get the the shooting numbers back to where we're used to without you know trying to I guess uh, affect anything mentally.
0: I keep shooting. You know, I think. Uh, Holly had a great tournament, uh, from a, from a defensive perspective, um, you know, really played with a lot of energy. I thought was really locked in and engaged. Um, she played one of the better three point shooters, uh, you know, probably in the country. Um, and, and the kid was over 10. Uh, so I think, uh, was really locked in there. Uh, you know, I think Holly's numbers are kind of indicative of our entire team. We're not shooting it from three very well at all right now, uh, but I think we're a much better shooting team than maybe the numbers mm-hmm. indicate. If somebody were to look at a, uh, a stat sheet and say, well, we're going to go play them zone, uh, we would be fine with that
1: yeah like you said 24 percent right now from three does that almost give you even more confidence because it is a five and oh start and you had those you know back-to-back 20 plus point victories over the last two and i guess three straight if you go back the week before um that you know you're still getting these big wins even without having to shoot the ball well from outside well
0: i i think we're, we're averaging about 74 points a game uh shooting it awful uh from three so Uh, We're not going to shoot it that poorly. We've got two good players and and kids that uh, are really confident. You know, Holly will end up being a a mid to high 30s minimum uh, from three. Uh, Mia Vucic being out right now uh, obviously affects our ability to to, to make threes. Wybette Mayberry has not shot it well, but is a really good three-point shooter. She shot 40% a year ago at Tulsa. So uh, those things will correct itself. Um, and, you know, as the season progresses.
1: This week, you guys take on Texas A&M. It comes up on Wednesday at 7 o'clock right here in Lawrence and Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, what can you say about uh, the crowd support you're going to be looking for the game and, and what kind of matchup are, are we expecting against the Aggies?
0: Well, uh, to be honest, I hope we have the best crowd that we've had in the last seven or eight years. Um, you know, it's a really important game for us. Uh, we wanted to schedule. This is not part of any challenge. Uh, we, we sought this game out. We wanted to play an SEC opponent, um, you know, with a home-and-home series. a uh, and has one of the best freshmen in the country, and Janiah Barker, I think she was uh, maybe the number three overall recruit in the country a year ago. Uh, they're big. They're athletic. Um, and and this will be a terrific test for us and, and uh, obviously want to create uh, the best home court atmosphere possible.
1: Well, and I guess big picture with the schedule uh, over the next couple weeks, this kind of kicks off uh, some some really tough and interesting opponents, A&M. Then you get Southeast Missouri State Sunday at Arizona after that, Wichita State, Tulsa, Nebraska. Uh, I know we've talked about this non-con and, and you mentioning the, the part about wanting to challenge yourself more uh, w- with the game against Texas A&M. Uh, what's going to be the key to kind of performing well over these next couple of weeks?
0: Well, continuing to, uh, to to rely on our defense and our ability to rebound the ball. I like her numbers there. Uh, I think we're playing uh, with a lot more freedom uh, on offense. Uh, you know, things are flowing better there. Um, I think we're developing some chemistry. We're not there yet. But, uh, you know, if we continue to guard um, the, the way that we are, uh, then I think that, that that we can, you know, have the kind of team that's just hard to beat, and uh, regardless of, of whether we're making shots or not.
1: We're talking with Brandon Schneider, the head coach of the KU women's basketball team here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Um, I, I wonder from, I guess, the the big picture perspective, when do you start – I guess getting into maybe some of the scouting reports on on the different conference opponents. Are are you watching other teams around the country this early in the season, or is that something where you don't even really think about it till the maybe I don't know end of December when you have your first conference game?
0: Yeah, I mean I, I'll watch them in downtime. You know, I watched uh, Iowa State uh, play North Carolina last night um, after spending the day in the office studying Texas A and M. So, but not from a scouting p- report pr- perspective, just. Uh, you know, interested to, to watch teams in our league here in the non con, but um, it won't be until uh, a few days before each of those games um, that I really study them. Obviously, we have assistant coaches who, who are assigned uh, different opponents who, who do all the advanced scouting.
1: A couple of fun ones to finish off here. It was just uh Thanksgiving week for you guys. I don't know what you had the opportunity to, to have being out on the road in, in California for Thanksgiving, but uh, give me what's, what's the top three menu items, dishes on, on the Thanksgiving menu for you.
0: Uh, you know, I'm pretty traditional. Um, you know, I, I, I like Turkey. Uh, I like the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, you know, growing up in Texas, Um, You know, the chicken and noodles were were not a thing, Uh, but my wife being from Kansas, uh, that has uh, quickly become probably my, my, the the homemade noodles, uh, chicken and noodles has probably become my favorite. Now, we didn't have that out in California, so I missed out on it this year.
1: And now that we're in, I guess, kind of after Thanksgiving into the the holiday season and uh, holiday baking and whatnot, is is there a, a favorite item for you at this time of year that you know, it's uh, you, you try not to to overindulge, but if you see them, if they're on a plate, you're, you're gonna have a hard time avoiding one.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm probably um, you know more of the, uh, the 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 peanut brittle, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things laying around um, are really good. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm probably like everybody else. I'm not getting into egg bog. Uh, other than, uh, you know, during the the Christmas holiday season. But, uh, you know, I'll grab a cup of that as well.
1: Awesome. Well, Coach, appreciate the time. Good luck this week, and and good luck keeping things going on the season.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Brandon Schneider, head
1: coach of the KU women's basketball team. They play Wednesday night against Texas A&M. You can hear it right here on KLWN or go on out to Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, to uh, show up for the game. They also play on Sunday against Southeast Missouri State. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to shift gears and talk a little NFL Monday overreactions. That next. About a quarter till five, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're out at 530 today for pregame coverage of Kansas and Texas Southern with the Crimson and Blue Show right here on your original home for the Jayhawks with KLWN and KLWN Uh by the way, the you know, the the game broadcast on Saturday for um KU football. Didn't love it. Not a big fan of Emmanuel Acho as the uh halftime oh, yeah. person. No, I and switched, also I switched channels. Not a huge Brando guy. Um so you can pull up the KLWN app or KLWN.com and you get it playing. And then if you have either DVR or like a You know, if you use, like, a YouTube TV, Hulu TV, you just pause it till they get caught up, or or you sync it however you can. You can pause it on, like, the KLWN app. You get them synced up, and then you're good. Oh, yeah. You got Brian Haney on the the radio broadcast. Yeah. With uh, the TV view. So that's my recommendation for everything. It does get a little more difficult with, like, ESPN Plus games because those games are so far behind with the TV viewership. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, it is a Monday, which means it is time to take what we saw in the NFL over the weekend, extended weekend with the three Thanksgiving games, and overreact to what we saw. Give Possibly.
2: The Give me the music, kiddo. Oh, hang on.
1: There we go. Okay. Overreaction, you're fired. All right. Overreaction, <laughs> not, I am not. seeking employment. <laughs> no.
2: Not an overreaction. <laughs> not, not an overreaction. <laughs> no. Okay. First one. We should just have the Lions play in the Super Bowl because they play in crazy games,
1: and we know it'd be entertaining. Put the Lions in. I'm all for it. Just basically, <laughs> you have two. Super I mean, every Bowls, game right? the Lions play, it's yeah. you just you don't even know what's gonna happen, either good or bad. I mean, I feel like you know that they're gonna lose close, but you know it's gonna that's be not a close true. Game. They won a three game win streak before that's true. the Bills game. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, every game is close. Every game is wild. Every and game just has an unexplainable craziness. Yeah. We're, we're looking for The Cowboys excitement. game, they fumbled on the one. Mm-hmm. They they kind of mismanaged the end of that game. It was <laughs> No, they, they really they were, did. They were down 25-22, I believe, and they had a third and one with like 30 seconds. And they let the clock run, right? Yes, they let yeah. the clock run for a while, which to begin with, they got kind of lucky with because they let the clock run even further down, but then they reviewed it, and they found the running back was short of the first down, and so they brought the time back, even though they wasted like 15 seconds called timeout. So they got the 15 seconds back, and then what happened was um, they threw it deep on third and one. And, and then, they kicked the then they kicked like a 50-yard field goal, which is not an easy make to tie the game. Instead of just going for it on fourth and one with like two timeouts to make the field goal possibly easier, A, B, to run the time down so the Bills wouldn't have any time, and C, to actually give yourself a chance at a touchdown so you could win in regulation. Here's my takeaway. Josh Allen is inferior to Patrick Mahomes because he needs more than 13 seconds. <laughs> he needed – well, he got more like third on one play. He got the uh, deep ball to, to Stephon Diggs in the middle fill, of the that field. That doesn't fit my narrative. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, just put the Lions in the Super Bowl. I guess whoever wins the – let's say the AFC. I like the AFC better, plus the Chiefs okay. are in that. So whoever wins AFC versus the Lions, they get an auto bid to the Super Bowl, and uh, it'll be a good game. Okay. The Broncos should restructure Russell, Russell Wilson's contract – and then cut
2: him and make it to where they just have to pay him a million dollars every year for like the next 50 years or whatever. Maybe like a Bobanina situation. So they should restructure and they should cut him, and they would be a better team because of that. Overreaction?
1: Okay, so I actually think this would be, if you can do this, I don't know if that is allowed because the NFL contract rules are so weird and, and with the dead cap and whatnot. He would be yeah, he would be owed there's like 107 million if they cut him today. That would go against the dead cap next year. So I mean, just envision that because the salary cap in the NFL is like 200 something. Yeah, I think it's like 280 million. 200, no, it's a lot. Is higher it, that much? It's is it like, higher than that? It's like 280 million, I think. Okay. So, he would be taking up like essentially I don't know, a little less than half of of your team's salary cap. No, it's 208 million. Okay, well I got the 8 right. <laughs> out of order so you'd be <laughs> taking up more than half of the team's salary cap by just dead money you can't cut him and then the year after it's like 70 or 80 million like you you the Broncos are stuck with it well, what I am saying you no, you
2: restructure his contract to where you just make it to where you don't have to do that yeah
1: so again if, and if then you, you can cut do it. that which which I don't know because with the dead money what you do what you that do? Is it? unrestructurable if it's if you can make it
2: to where you just have you to could. pay Russell Wilson two million dollars every year for the next like 60
1: years at this point, yes, you would do it. Cut ties. You cut them. Get out of it, any way you can. It is an abject disaster.
2: <laughs> okay,
1: all right. Do hey, me. another signing for the Chiefs, by the way. An- another one. Another besides one. Besides the besides Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon, also Brian Edwards, wide receiver. Oh, okay. I think he was dropped by the former,
2: Falcons. Former South Carolina. Grade. That's
1: right. Yeah. Okay, Chiefs. That just that just lends
2: itself more credence to the argument of Kadarius Tony is a tease and he's not going to play
1: okay over just, under one and a half games before Brian Edwards scores a touchdown under <laughs> Jacoby Persette is the new goat after beating Tom Brady a little bit of an overreaction just a little <laughs> um he he did well enough in this stint that he would you start him over to Watson no I would not uh well I guess there, there, wise, so I would never there's, there's, have two, Deshaun there's Watson I, I guess that's true. There's, yeah. there's, there's two parts to this overreaction
2: he's the goat now and would you start him? Continue to play him?
1: No, no to both of those. Um, but what he has done here is guaranteed a Chase Daniels-like career, right? He, he. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's not young. He's been in the league for a while. He has, but I think he'll be the next Chase Daniel. In ten years from now, we'll be looking. Jacoby Brissett will be random backup <laughs> somewhere, and we'll be like, oh, he's still in the league. He's made hundred million dollars. Okay. So he's in one sense, I guess that does make you a goat. If you can yeah. be a good yeah. backup that makes millions of dollars oh, for to sure. not have to play as much and not have all the pressure as much. Yeah. I think status. most people would agree. Chase Daniels, he's on the let Rushmore of quarterbacks. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. The Cardinals, they're a six-foot QB away from being a great team. So in this in this statement, are you saying is Kyler Murray now six feet tall? No, I'm saying or they, they need a quarterback who happens to be six feet tall. They need a
2: quarterback. They are, that's the missing piece. The missing piece for them to be a great team is a six-foot quarterback.
1: Is that an overreaction? Yes, it is an overreaction <laughs> because, I, I mean, I don't think it's – it's actually not crazy because if you do think about it, like I know we make too much of sometimes um, – Like, oh, this guy's, this guy's got nine-and-a-half-inch yeah, hands. He's six-foot-four. We go both ways with it. It's like, oh, he's giant. That's going to help him. <laughs> or it's like he's too small. And sometimes that doesn't end up happening. And at the same point in time – Every time we get a small quarterback into the NFL, everybody wants to bring up, oh, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Well, Russell right? Wilson sucks now. so <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, like, they, they bring up some of these exceptions to the rule, and it's like you realize you're naming, like, a couple guys out of the many, many, oh, many that and have And you're happened, also right? naming
2: Drew Brees all-time great. Yeah. And Russell Wilson, who was probably perceived as one of the great quarterbacks of all time up until this season.
1: I guess for me um, – it doesn't disclude the fact like we're gonna have this conversation it's gonna be had all around nationally about bryce young coming in because yeah. he's gonna be probably like 510 um he's gonna probably weigh like 170 pounds and it doesn't disclude you from it it just makes things so much more difficult and like it does matter being able to see over the line of scrimmage or oh, being yeah. able to stay in the pocket as opposed to have a roll out every play and the defense being able to key on that, like there Which are small see, things that matter. Did
2: you see Kyler's quote about um, the Cliff Kingsbury situation? Yeah, he uh, was, they're like, getting out schemed. Un- uh, schemed. Yeah, but there's a certain part He's of that quote bad that word can't there too. be included in this on the show. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly <laughs> the relationship they're not great. I will say though, Kyler Murray actually like is a good quarter. Like, I don't view him. And yes, if if Kyler Murray was six feet tall, that'd be great. I know again that wasn't part <laughs> of the question, um, but. I do think that. Okay, wait. They can be remember, a really good team with Kyler Murray.
2: Remember that story I told you about uh, guys breaking their legs to
1: get taller? Do it with Kyler yeah. Murray. Get it? Give him the next inch, a few inches. I feel like you'd lose athleticism, and the recovery process <laughs> on that would be so long. Yeah, no, it's I, like it's like eighteen months. I think they can be a really good. Gosh, my voice was so high there. Um, <laughs> I feel like they could be a really good team with Kyler Murray. Last year they were, I think, eleven and six. They were a playoff team. They're not going to make the playoffs. This year. If you have a better coach who didn't fail in college before he came to the NFL, <laughs> if you maybe have a better offensive line because their offensive line hasn't been good, if you have a—I don't think he's well, no, ever had... Like Hopkins a, was out for the first six. He games. was, and they've been a lot better with him. Uh, yeah. They've never had like a great defense around him. I—I I think that's the tier of quarterback he's in, though. It's if you have enough things going right around him, they can be really good. Like, I think Kyler Murray's better than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has a better supporting cast, right? I I don't think it's, like, much better. Like, Kyler Murray might be the, I don't know, 13th best quarterback in the NFL, and Kirk Cousins could be 16th, something like that, right? But Wow, disrespecting Kirk Thuggins. I I do think it makes it more difficult. I I think it's less about, I don't know, maybe the size is the reason he's not, like, a top 10 quarterback. But I, I don't think it discludes them from it. Okay, Jalen Hurts is or will be or already is better than prime Cam Newton man that's that's a high bar because that's basically saying he's the mvp because prime cam newton was the MVP, we're going to a super bowl yes yeah but you could also counter and say well not mv every mvp is created equal so do we need to circle back to this later in the season i think so and also like the team success isn't just cam Newton. i still it it boggles my mind that that panthers team was one win away If they beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl, from being known as one of the greatest Super Bowl teams ever, they would have been eighteen and one. Yes, but like I look back on that team and I'm like, how? You know (laughs) what I mean? And I'm I'm looking back on Cam Newton's stats there. They're 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 really good. And and because they were fifteen and one, and because it was a great story, it's obvious he won MVP. But But like like if Jalen,
2: if the Eagles go fifteen and one, or I guess sixteen and one, if the Eagles go sixteen and one, is Jalen Hurts guaranteed to win the MVP? No, I don't think so. Well, like Like, if if the Eagles are sixteen and one, and the Chiefs are fourteen and three, with Mahomes, does
1: Mahomes Mahomes gets it over him? Right, probably. Yeah, I think so. Because yeah, yeah, not every MVP is created equal. Sometimes it matters about the people around you. But I mean, Cam Newton that year really good, fifty nine point eight completion percentage, thirty eight hundred passing yards. He had 600 more rushing, 35 passing touchdowns, 10 more rushing, 10 interceptions. So really good numbers. And Jalen
2: Hurts already has almost 600 rushing yards right now. At I don't point think the that's season.
1: crazy. And I do feel like with Jalen Hurts, it is more sustainable long-term because I actually trust him more as a passer than with Cam Newton. Okay, so this is not an overreaction. No, I don't think that is. Okay. All right, how about this? The Jets can win a Super Bowl with Mike White. Okay, so the Jets have a really good defense. I mean, the defense is Super Bowl worthy, right? Mm, close, maybe. I mean, it's not its not the type of defense that's going to
2: carry I mean, like the, back
1: to that 2015 yeah, Broncos. Or, or, is is or is
2: it the Seahawks? No.
1: But it is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, the running game is good. Garrett Wilson is a really good receiver. Seems like he's going to be good, yeah. I think... I think I saw, like, uh, I know this is like a fantasy stat, but he's had two top five fantasy receiver weeks, and they've both been without Zach Wilson this year. That's interesting. But, yeah, I mean, defensively, they're fourth in the league in points allowed per game. Um, Running the football, they're 16th in yards per attempt, so they're kind of middle of the pack, so they're okay. Mike White is a lot better than Zach Wilson. I still don't know if it's the right call okay, to go to him. They were playing the Bears. They were, and the Bears' defense is horrible. Terrible. So yes, this is an overreaction, but like, if you're talking about a team who already, before Mike White took over, was a playoff team, and now they're better with Mike White in there, I guess it gets you closer to being to that point. But no, nobody's seriously going to take them, even if Mike White's the Mike White would be the worst quarterback of any of the seven playoff teams, right? Correct. Yes. So even if he's better than Zach Wilson, which, again, I well, have hesitations I mean, he might, on. because Depending on how the rest of
2: the season goes, you could maybe make an argument he'd be better than Ryan Tannehill.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, I just, like, what are the Jets doing here? Because with Zach Wilson, the idea was never to play him to be great right away. It was try to develop him into something. You know what I mean? For the future.
2: Yeah, into a backup to Mike White.
1: <laughs> be a great Chase Daniel. <laughs> no, they cannot win the Super Bowl with Mike White. All right, the 49ers have the greatest defense of all time. No hard overreaction. They've been really good, they just though. just shut out the Saints. I know, who are not good. All right, the reason this
2: is an overreaction is because you can't be the greatest defense of all time and give up 50 points to the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, those just. But since then, what if we just do it since then? 49ers, since the Chiefs game, the, the have the greatest defense of the all time. 49ers have the
2: greatest Three-game stretch of defensive performance. Four games. Four-game stretch of. They defensive haven't allowed a
1: single point in the second half. The last four games. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, good job, Niners. So, if you extrapolated that out, are they the greatest defense of all time?
2: If they don't have to play the Chiefs, yes.
1: I still say no. Yeah, a lot of it's schedule based. I mean, they didn't play the Chargers, Cardinals. They played the fine. Chargers. Yeah, they
2: played the Saints. I mean, Saints the Cardinals stink. and Chargers are pretty. Saints
1: decent. like missed a field goal too. Doesn't even the count. Saints are really Shut bad. J- Free Jameis. Bring my man. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's NFL Monday overreactions. Two hours down, half an hour to go. KU uh, preview against Texas Southern. Next. This is RCST. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not gonna know what I'm talking about here. But if you're listening on the radio, you just heard that, that Fox News update there. I, I have to address this. I have to. There's no way. Uh, by the way, we're out of 5:30 today. We'll get to our KU Texas Southern preview. In just a second here with with uh, basketball and whatnot, a Florida woman with huge th- news. I mean this this huge news. This would have been great for uh, Florida man Madlibs when we bring that back. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Sam was going to have this one in the chamber. already. A Florida woman is accused uh, is accusing Kraft Heinz of misleading advertising based on the time it takes to prepare a single serving cup of microwavable mac and cheese. The company market, markets its Velveeta shells and cheese as being quote ready in three and a half minutes. Um, yeah, so you put it in the microwave for three. I mean, I buy this. Yes, stuff. you
2: get the little, you get the little cup, the little, you know, single yeah, you put serving. Some, like, water in there. You put
1: some water in it, and you microwave, microwave it for three and a half minutes. Then you have the like cheese sauce. Yeah, and then you pour in the cheese and you stir Super it up. Super right? Voila. Amanda Ramirez says that's only the amount of time each cup needs to be microwaved, and that the actual preparation process from stirring in water to letting the cheese thicken takes longer. A 15-page class-action <laughs> lawsuit filed earlier this month. This is from uh, NPR. Can I join? If it's a class-action lawsuit, can I join? I guess so, if you have a problem with it. Earlier I have a this problem month, with it, yeah. alleges that parent company Kraft Heinz sells more of the product and at a higher price than it would if it didn't mislead customers about the pasta's prep time. This is so This is so stupid. Well, Okay, so I will stupid. say,
2: if you do eat the Easy Mac mac and cheese, what happens is you microwave it for three and a half minutes, and then you take it out and you stir in the cheese and stuff, and then normally it's so hot that you have to sit and wait for like at least another two minutes okay, before you can actually eat it. So, two issues. because I've burned the crap out of my mouth before actually trying to, because I'm starving. You know, I put the easy mac in three and a half minutes, three and a half minutes, and it's so ready. You're making but your face right now? But then I have to wait another at least two minutes before I can consume the mac and cheese because it is too wow. hot.
1: I'm so sorry okay. for you.
2: No, dude. Do you remember, this is the same uh, lawsuit, there was another lawsuit, remember it was a lady, uh, somebody sued Starbucks because they were mad that their coffee was too hot. They got the coffee too hot, they couldn't drink it right away. That was another lawsuit that was, right? This is the same idea. Same idea. They should say five minutes, or six minutes, after you take it out of the microwave, because it's too
1: hot to eat. It's just so stupid, it's like comments that- I'm totally on board with this. This is why rule books and warning labels are- uh, so long and in tiny <laughs> because we have people who sue for stupid crap i like am this. on board i hope this loses i hope you know, i'm gonna I, get in contact with mrs here. whatever this is ridiculous. whatever what's her
2: name i'm gonna get in contact with her. i'm gonna say i support no this lawsuit this is, i have burned my mouth uh, one too many times
0: so they need to be
1: accurate in how long stupid. i need to wait and before like, i can put it in my mouth how does this lady how do, why does this lady deserve to make money off of this what, in what way is she saying, hey, I'm suing you because I've lost out the, on money for the no, no! that no. I have to spin no, no, no. in my cheese She's into doing Florida. it
2: because she knows that there are good, hardworking people out there like me that have been screwed over having to wait extra time to eat their mac and cheese. So she is ju- fighting for justice. For justice, Derek.
1: You know what? You're right. This lady would with with all her extra five minutes from the five pack of Velveeta she ate over the last okay, week. Okay, but if you eat she would be the president on. of the United if States you with eat the extra that five minutes time, of time she would have. If you eat that enough times, you could save hours. Days even. Maybe at that point you should look it in the mirror and say, Maybe I shouldn't be eating thirty <laughs> Velveetas a month. Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> Off the soapbox. KU, oh. Texas Southern Tonight. Oh, man. Pre-game 5.30, tip-off at 7 o'clock right here on your original home for the Jayhawks, KLWN. And uh, I guess before we get into that real quick, I did want to make mention, Kansas volleyball made the NCAA tournament, went 18-10 and 10 this season, uh, they made it last night. They restructured how they did the NCAA tournament this year where instead of it being it's just the top 16 seeds get seeded and then they just kind of put them into regionally-based assignments where, hey, if you're close to here, you go here. And that's led to some bad, like, seeding matchups. Um, they actually seeded the top eight in each region, so there's basically a top 32 seeded. Miami is is seeded seventh. That's who Kansas plays, so it's essentially, for all intents and purposes, like a, like a match-up. 7-10 yep. matchup. Or 7 um, if they win that, they would play Nebraska, who is basically the two seed in the region. And Nebraska would play at home. We've seen Nebraska get like 8,000 fans filling up the stadium. So that could be really fun for Kansas. That's the end of this week. We're going to actually it's, have. It's great
2: because it's a. Link, it's a pretty close short trip. Yeah. You know? So for fans a couple hours. to go support, <clears throat> it's not too demanding. hmm.
1: And uh, we're going to have Jill Dorsey Hall on later this week to help us uh, preview things for Kansas volleyball. Okay. KU Texas Southern. Kansas. After their week in the Bahamas, is ranked just 38th in adjusted offensive efficiency,
2: which is kind of. Th- do I dare say that's that's
1: kind of high? Well, it's with with Ken Palm. There's still it it, it fact, slowly fact is siphons opponent, out the. Right? It does factor in the opponent, so that's part of it. You know, you've played good defenses. Tennessee, the number one defense. Wisconsin has a good defense, and so yeah. forth. Uh, but it also siphons out as the season goes on. Preseason expectations. So by the time we get to like, I think it's like January 28th, all the preseason stuff will be out, but it slowly siphons it out to give it a base so that it's not like, hey, Lehigh is ranked seventh or something, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, they they have not been very good offensively. Now, Texas Southern is actually better defensively than offensively, but they're not like great at either. They are ranked 305th on the offensive side of the ball. They are ranked 176th on defense. They're 242nd overall, but they played a, relatively high tempo okay they're 120th in tempo and they're they have they've given up a lot of quick easy possessions they're actually a bit slower on the offensive end their average possession length on the defensive side of the ball is 14th in the country meaning there are only 13 teams who are giving up shorter possessions defensively defensively what does that tell you so was that good a lot of teams? That's that, good for Kansas. Okay, a lot of teams that means are shooting quickly against Texas Southern. So I guess that so could getting be getting open shots early. Yes, that's likely the the case there. I mean, I guess it could just be a situation where other teams just like to chuck against them and just run up the court and dribble and <laughs> shoot. Probably <laughs> Which not. KU has shown a tendency to do that sometimes too. Yeah, Kansas offensively is 59th in average possession length. they like to get up and run, right? So a team that has struggled in the half court offensively, has an opportunity to get out and run in this game. I think this game is going to look a lot better for the KU offense. I don't think it's going to be a game where I'm going to walk away saying, oh, see, look, they fixed a lot of their problems. And I think Ernest Uday is probably going to have a good game because he's a really good center running transition. And MJ Rice could look good because if we're in the open court a lot. But I would just say look for what they do in the half court more than what they do in transition tonight.
2: And Texas Southern is usually a fringe tournament team. I think they've, <clears <clears <throat> they've been year. a 16 seed a couple of years, right? Uh, I, don't even, I don't remember what conference they're in. Whatever conference and they're the in. they're SWAC, is like so they, the worst. They normally win that conference. So this is not a game where Kansas can just roll out of bed and show up and expect to win, I don't think. They're going to have to try a little bit. I mean, I, I understand that this is uh, a team that's ranked lower in Ken Palm than North Dakota State, I believe, when they played earlier in the season. But... But yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team that is usually a sixteen seed in the tournament, so you know, could be a, a good mark, a good team to kind of gauge, I guess, at this this stage of the season. And and I guess for Kansas, it'll be about bouncing back, right, and getting the offense going. I, I think you and I probably both agree in saying we're definitely more intrigued or more interested in focusing on what Kansas does on the offensive side than what they do on the defensive side, right? Because when you look at the defensive side, what do you, what do the talking points are: Grady Dick play better defense and rebound better. Right? That's about it. And you should be able to rebound better against a team like this. So, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I expect Kansas to roll in this one. But, it, again, it's I don't I, I don't think it's a game where they can just show up and, and expect to win. And, and, and honestly, coming off of a loss, I don't think they're going to have that mentality. Right? Like, coming off a loss, you get the sense that they're going to be locked in a little bit. And, and you're right. With MJ Rice, uh, I've talked about him quite a bit. And you figure, so he was dealing with COVID and kidney stones, supposedly – two weeks ago before the trip to the Bahamas. Hopefully he's feeling better after that stint of things and he can be a little bit more effective because I do truly believe that he is the key to unlocking the potential of the, of the offense specifically for Kansas. But that only solves one aspect of it. You still have the problem of figuring out who's going to be your, your five man, right? I have to assume it's probably not going to be Zach Clements after his performance, after recent performances, right? So now you look back at Ernest today or Zubi Edge four and, one of those guys maybe, and obviously you still have K.J. Adams, and this is probably going to be a game where you can get away with playing K.J. Adams a lot more at the five, but the thing about that is, like, that's not something you're probably going to be able to do very much against some of the other Big 12 teams,
1: right? Like, like it works against Texas, but, yeah, if you're playing – because Texas plays small a lot. If you're playing – I'm trying to think of an example in the conference. Uh Like, maybe even Baylor, who, I don't know, I guess it yeah. could work there because their center is more of a rim roller and stuff, but they do have size down low, like – I don't know. There's going to be teams you play, basically. Yeah, that, there's,
2: yeah there's going to be know. teams that you're going to need to just... Man Kentucky up. with Oscar Shibwe. Oh, yeah. Right? that's Yes, definitely, for sure. So, again, we go back to the discussion of, well, which one of Ernest Sude or Zuby Edge for maybe can have a decent run of games where they get a little bit more trust. But, I mean, is there any more clear sign that the, you don't have trust than what we saw from those two guys or what we didn't see from them in the Bahamas? Like, is there any more clear sign that Bill Self could send of... I don't trust these guys. I mean, they didn't come
1: in at all. No, there's not. Exactly. Not at all. Yeah, it was exactly. super inconsistent with who was playing. Um, Texas Southern does actually have some size. Grayson Carter, 6'10", 225 center. He plays about 20 minutes a game. Uh, Jordan Carl Nicholas, 6'9", 220 center. He also plays about 20 minutes per game. Then they have John Walker, 6'9", power forward. He plays a lot of minutes a game. So, like, they do have some size. They have a Shaq O'Neal, by the way. Really? Shakir O'Neal, officially. Say that again? Shakir O'Neal. Shakir. But it's spelled S H A Q. Okay. I would just go by Shaq. At that
2: point, why wouldn't you? Just, Shaq why wouldn't right? you just say your name is Shaquille? It's close well, enough. No, it's Shaquille. Well, no, no, but you understand what I'm saying? Like if you're using the name Shaquille O'Neal as like reference, just just be named But his Shaquille. name's not Shaquille. But and I'm saying it's close enough to
1: Shaquille. But it's not. That it should be. But it's not. It'd be more accurate to say Shaq. Um, okay. Texas Southern has tended to have size so that's not completely different they one thing that's wild with them this is just like a side note it doesn't really impact tonight's game they play a brutal schedule every non-con like they play san francisco who's top 90 team lost by 13 they played texas tech lost by 24 they actually beat arizona state in overtime um this year yeah this year the arizona state bad they're ranked 54th on Ken Palm. Um, so Oral Roberts, bad. who is ranked 110th, they played them, lost by 18. They played Houston, who's ranked 2nd, they lost by 35. They played Auburn, who's ranked 16th on Ken Palm, lost by 16. And their one game against, I I guess even then, like Samford could win the whatever they're in, the SOCON or whatever. Uh, They're in 132nd. They lost by 15. They just challenged themselves in the non-con. But they are not shooting well at all. They're shooting 27% from three. They're shooting 41% on two-point shots. They're shooting 58% on free throws. This should be a dominant game for KU. Don't let this be a sleeper game. You would hope, yeah. You just had, I guess the one excuse would be you had a lot of travel, um, but yeah, again, Thanksgiving weekend. coming off
2: a loss, you should be tuned yes. up. You should be tuned up.
1: I would think so. And again, against a team that's going to allow you to get in the open court at times, for you to kind of thrive in transition, Yeah, this should be a big win. But again, if we're looking for things of actual, it's not just, hey, look at the matchup, or you're just way better than them. It's more about, hey, this actually has improved over the few days. It would have to be half-court offense, the center stuff. And I don't know how much of that we'll really see tonight, but it's a good it's a good yeah. tune up for Thursday. You have another game Thursday against Seton Hall, yeah, and that will
2: certainly be a much tougher game.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. All
2: right, Derek, we got to get to yes. Rock Chuck Pickock because I won.
1: No, we canceled the segment now. What? Yeah, sorry.
2: When did we do that?
1: On like Thursday afternoon, dude.
2: So I didn't win?
1: No, doesn't count. Sorry.
2: Oh man.
1: Yeah. That's such a bummer. All right, to blame. No, uh, no, we did not cancel it. Yeah, oh, you okay. Your... I did win. Let's go. <laughs> you got your first win. Um, it was a cumulative one on the board. And I actually, I asked you on Wednesday. I said, "Do you want it what? to be worth oh, two wins worth or, two one, wins win? or just one win?" You said one. No, I think that's
2: fair. I think that's fair. I'm just saying, if you would have said two. No, I, I listen. I, I accept. I accept the one win.
1: I think it's a fair I think I thought it was fair at the time that we determined it. I think it's fair now. Well, recapping what happened, you had Jalen Wilson who had twenty nine points and fourteen rebounds in the Wisconsin game, which carried the most of his output. He definitely struggled in the second game.
2: Yeah, because I lost a lot of points on his off of his bad shooting, probably.
1: Yeah, you did. <laughs> because he had such a good first game, he still wound up with more pick a hawk points than anyone though. He had fifty nine. For me, Kevin McCuller wasn't far behind. He didn't have nearly as many missed shots. He only took like four or five shots in the game against Tennessee. I thought for a second they were going to have to run him at point guard.
0: <laughs> didn't yeah. end
1: up having to do that. Yeah. Um. But he he was really good against Wisconsin. He, he was slow to start. I think he was like 0 for 5 or something. He was missing some open shots. And he then took he really a lot of threes up. early and was not looking very good. No. And then he picked it up. I think he wound up with 18 points. He hit the game-time three to, to force overtime. Um. He was... Again, both games, got you a bunch of rebounds, got you some assists, steals, all the likes. He ended up with 55 Pickahawk points, which was second. Third for Pickahawk points over the two games was actually your third-round pick with K.J. Adams. He had 40 points. There we go, K.J. Look, look, this just tells me that this just really – Rock Chuck Pickahawk really
2: outlines just how bad the bench is.
1: Yes, because, because no, we're got, not getting anything.
2: Exactly. Because Dewan Harris was the lowest scoring of the starters with 29. Yeah. And the next
1: highest score after that was Joe Yesfu with 8. And that was just from one game where he had 14. <laughs> he had 14 points in a game, and he still only ended up with 8 <laughs> points between two games. <laughs> How does that happen? Yes, you're 100% right. The drop-off Grady Dick at 30, Dewan at 29, to then Joe Yesfu at 8. And then Ernest Dude at 5. 4, yeah, one, four for Pettiford, three, 3 for Edgifer, yeah, 1 for Rice. Which, by the way, we we haven't even really talked about the Bobby Pettiford thing uh, with his yeah, injury. True. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought it up with with like Kadarius Tony with his injury. I think you could have a better argument about injuries being struggling. a consistent problem for Bobby Pettiford.
2: Yeah, and it just sucks because we the, he looked like he was going to be the the certified backup point guard. We know how much Bill Self likes him. You know, if he's out an extended period, I mean, at that point, truly, who is your next point guard after Dewan Harris?
1: Like who? Joe Yesfu, I guess. Yeah, it, it's Joe Yesfu by default or playing Kevin McCuller there or when Kyle Cuff is back from injury at some point. Yeah, I mean that's, that's not a lot not of great, great options. Yeah, that's not great. Not great depth there. No. Uh so you need him back. And he has kind of struggled the last few games <clears> with, <throat> you know, I think that, that two point shot, it was obviously the only two he had against Wisconsin. I think that was yeah. his only two of the, the whole but, week. You know, I understand that he was struggling, but 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 they still, still need self, him. The potential's there. Phil
2: Self clearly trusts him. Yes and the, you're right the potential has is there for him to be a really really solid backup point
1: guard yeah and all of a sudden this team is like is thin because yeah, not just of, because the bench is struggling apart, yeah. but like all their bench players right now are just centers so you can't like play like i guess mj rice is coming back that's important but like yeah a point guard it's like oh you just have Dwan harris because joe Esfu is basically more of a two but you're going to have to play him there um then you have MJ Rice as, like, your only bench wing. That's it. Unless you're going with Mike, Mike, Michael Jankovic, who we actually did see yeah, yeah, exactly. toward the end of that Tennessee game. Yeah. And then everybody else is set. So you'd have to, like, if you got into a really big pinch, like Zach Clements, is he coming in at the four next to Ernest at the five <laughs> so you can play KJ at the three? <laughs> Hope you don't get to that point. You really no. do. No.
2: All right, how many players should we pick here?
1: Five each, you think? I'm fine going six on this one because it's a game you should blow out, and so they should go deeper into the bench. Like my, I mean, Michael we Jankovich? even have 12 guys to draft, though? I mean, five si Pettiford's for this out. Is, that's a good point. Kyle yeah. Cuff is well, out. Is Pettiford out? I don't, we, I I don't think out. we ever heard officially. Oh, I guess not. I don't know. I guess we could go five. So I will let you pick the draft. I, I have the first pick here because okay, it's rotated so going, back to back. We're going me. five? Yes. Okay. So would you like to go back-to-back back or Serpentine? Uh, what did we do last time? Last time we did serpentine. Yeah, let's just do that.
2: Okay, I feel like you. I feel like you prefer that. It just it makes more sense for okay, you. I am okay, actually helping fine. you. That's I'm fine. helping that's you fine. by doing. I'm not, i
1: we, you know what? We've argued about this. I know. one too many times. Okay, so I have. I have one. I have pick. the first pick. Oh, you have the first pick. Yes. Okay, I will take Jalen Wilson. He's the most obvious first pick in these drafts every single time. He gets okay. points. He gets rebounds.
2: I'll go with Kevin McCuller because although he doesn't always score the most points, he he fills the statue. Yeah. Gets so a I think I, I go again. You do. I'm going to take KJ Adams.
1: Rebounds a plenty for yep. KJ. Yep. Okay. See, I I'll take mm, <laughs> I'll take Dewan Harris, okay? Um he just fills it up. He'll probably get 2 or 3 steals. The steals are being worth 3 points are, are super helpful there. Gets 8 10 12 points, 5 6 7 assists, like you're golden there. Um this is interesting to me cuz Grady Dick is the obvious answer. He could have 15, 20 points tonight, but he could also go, You know, if he goes 7 of 14 shooting for, I don't know, 18 points, then you're only looking at 11 pick-a-hawk points if he doesn't get you many rebounds or assists. Um, I think Ernest Uday is going to have a good game because it's a transition game, and he's been a really good transition center running the floor, but do I think he's going to get as much as Grady? Probably not. I'll take Grady Dick. So you're with DeWan and Grady Dick. Okay. Yes.
2: All right. I'm going to go with Ernest Duda, as you just mm-hmm. And so I have one more pick after this.
1: Okay. I'll take MJ Rice. Okay. I think this is a good game for him, too. Um, I'm just going to take the Monopoly on the centers. I'll take Zuby Edgefer in transition. And then how about this? I got a bold prediction for you right here. What's that? Zach Clements makes a three tonight. Oh, but if he
2: misses like four and I'm then only screwed. makes one, then you yes. don't get any
1: points. Correct. I'm taking the risk.
2: All uh, right. I'm going to roll out. Okay. This is interesting. Joe Yesfu was obviously still there. Or I could
1: go with Michael Jankovic. Yes. Or an injured Bobby Pettiford. Or go deeper onto the walk-on bench. Well, uh, I, again, I mean, I mean, the yeah, with with Joe, Michael
2: Jankovic, you know, he, he's going to get in and Walker probably jack Evers. up some threes. I mean, what if Joe Yesufu turns it over a lot, and he has negative or something?
1: It's always the worry. He's had 14 points. You know
2: what? Game, I'm going to go with Michael Jankovic. Why not? Okay, he's going to get out there. He's going to he's going to
1: he's going to put up some shots. Get him on my team. I think I would have gone with what Yesufu personally, just because with this game with Pettiford probably out, there's a higher floor there. But I, I don't know. You could be right. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That'll do it for this edition of RCST. We'll be back tomorrow to recap the game and uh, do plenty of other stuff. This is FM 117, 1320 KLWN. See you tomorrow. Crimson Blue Show, next.